You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Well, good afternoon, everyone. And uh, it's been a horrific day again. We have a situation in Paris, which I'm sure everybody is aware of. But if for some reason you haven't turned on the news today, there has been a terrorist attack, uh, a very coordinated, highly specialized terrorist attack in Paris on the offices of a satire magazine. The um, uh, magazine is, is one that has been known for satire on all religions, on all political uh, persuasions. It has been particularly attacked and vilified, including by the President of the United States, by the way, by Obama, who himself may be partially responsible for this this type of thing, because Obama came out and claimed that this was a uh, something that was horrific when the magazine ran a picture of Muhammad on its cover. Now, they've also printed satirical cartoons about Islam, and particularly about radical Islam, which have outraged ISIS and Al-Qaeda, and apparently the President of the United States, who condemned them for what they were doing. Okay, basically, in other words, condemn freedom of the press and freedom of speech in Paris. But this morning, or actually it was about 11.30 Paris time, the uh, two to three armed gunmen, there were two that actually participated breaking in apparently in the attack, two armed gunmen wearing masks, wearing what appears to be body armor, heavily armed with automatic weapons, entered the offices where they found that they knew that there was an editorial meeting going on of all the cartoonists, all the principals in this, this magazine, and they killed 10 of them and wounded 11 more, some of who were in critical condition. They executed and they killed them execution. In addition, they killed two police officers who had been guarding this magazine because when the magazine had printed the satirical cover uh, the picture of Muhammad, they had been firebombed within a few days thereafter. So they had been, basically had a police presence there for several years now because the firebombing occurred in 2011. And there were two police officers there. The video, there were amateur videos taken from rooftops in the area. People came out when they heard the gunfire and they started taking videos. And when these two assassins came out to get in the car where apparently they had a driver. We think that was the third person involved. They got in this car and were in a gunfight with one of the police officers who was out on the street. He was wounded. He fell down. The two radical Islamists, the two jihadists, who had participated in the attack inside the office building, then got out of the car ran up to the police officer who was laying there on the ground with his hands up. You know, hands up, don't shoot. Remember that for so-called Michael Brown? Well, here we have it for a police officer. Let's see what the liberal will do with that. Hands up, don't shoot, and they executed him. They pumped bullets into his body and into his head while standing over him. Then they got back in the car and they took off. Now, apparently, from the, the information that's coming across in the news, apparently they were using a car that they then were involved in an accident with that car. 
So they got out of that car, and they hijacked, they carjacked another car, and they took off. The police can't find them. Now, here's the problem. These people spoke perfect French, but we know they were a jihadist because witnesses reported them yelling, Allah Akbar, God is great, and saying that this attack was revenge for the satire of Muhammad. They had avenged the prophet, the way it was the way they put it, when they were yelling. And they were after specific people. They were asking for people by name in this office, so they knew who they wanted to kill. This was a military operation. These people were very well trained. This was not some lunatic, lone wolf, that just decided to find a gun somewhere and go out and start killing people. This was a coordinated attack. We are going to see more of these, not only in Europe, this country. These jihadists, they're going to have a tough time finding them. In fact, they could already be in New York City, or at least on their way, because you have an open border policy in Europe. You don't need a passport to go from France to Germany or to Belgium. You just cross the border anytime you want to. We have a policy with Europe that you know, if you're a French citizen and you have a French passport, and these people probably do, because they're probably locally grown jihadists who went to Syria. They, are, they know at least 400 people from France who are fighting with ISIS in Syria and Iraq. And some of them have since come back. And these guys, I would venture to say, are probably two or three of the guys that have come back. So they are French citizens. They speak perfect French. They have French press passports, probably. So what they can do is they can get on an airplane and fly to New York City or to Washington, D.C. without a visa and enter this country perfectly legally. They will not be monitored because they won't know who they are. And they can launch an attack here in this country. But I think more more likely right now they are hidden in some of the enclaves of the Muslim, of the Muslim enclaves in Paris itself. Because in Paris, they have allowed so many illegals to come in. Not illegals, but so many Muslims to immigrate from countries like Syria and Iraq and Iran. They've allowed them to come in, and they have set up areas of Paris. They've taken over whole communities, whole neighborhoods, and set up areas where they have posters on telephone poles. And basically that say, this is a Sharia law area. French police are not allowed in this area. If you come in this area, you have to be obey Sharia law. In other words, if you're a woman, you have to be fully covered in a burqa. Police, French police, don't go in those areas. These assassins, these people who killed these two French policemen and ten members of the magazine staff, could be hiding out in that area. And it will be interesting to see if the French police decide enough is enough, and we're going to go in after them. Now, I've been watching this unfold, unfortunately, on CNN, because uh, I have DISH, the DISH network, uh, out in the rural area where we live. And uh, DISH, of course, has decided they're not going to carry uh, Fox News anymore because it was supposedly a financial dispute. Uh, it sounds to me like Dish is deliberately trying to 
keep us from watching a legitimate news organization. So I'm about to cancel Dish and try to go with an, another carrier that will provide me with Fox News because I rely on Fox News. But today I've had to watch CNN. And there's been some interesting reporting on CNN. There's been the outrage over journalists being killed. And there has been the uh, discussion about whether or not these people are going to be found and how this poses a possible threat to the United States. But there's also been some absolutely ridiculous reporting. They keep reporting on how the Muslim community itself, the moderate, so-called moderate Muslim community, is outraged over this. And they quote a woman on Twitter who tweeted, I am a Muslim, and as a Muslim, I cannot condemn this attack. However, I hope there is justice for the victims. Now, that is moderate Islam. I won't condemn the attack. She's basically saying, I encourage this kind of attack. I want to see this kind of attack continued. But I hope somewhere down the road there's justice for the victims. What does justice mean? This is what CNN has reported as the moderate Muslim response to this. And CNN is also refusing to do what a lot of news organizations around the world and in this country do it. They're showing their support of freedom of speech and freedom of press by reprinting the very cartoons and the cover showing the picture of Muhammad that brought on these attacks. They are People are reprinting them. They're putting them on the Internet. The news organizations are putting them on their websites, but not CNN. CNN made a point of talking about how they didn't want to offend the Muslim community by running these cartoons. So when it comes to intimidation, and that's what this is all about, CNN is caving in. They're caving in to terrorism. They're caving in to radical Islam. They're caving in to political correctness, and they're not going to show these cartoons. They're not showing any solidarity at all with these people who were killed. Some news organizations that don't even agree with the showing of these cartoons are still doing it because they want to show that they are not intimidated. CNN, on the other hand, wants to show, yes, we are intimidated. Yes, we are going to be politically correct. Yes, we are not going to defend radical jihad, uh, jihadist. We are going to be politically correct, and we're not going to show these cartoons. That, to me, is ultimate cowardice. But that's going to be some of the liberal response here. Because already you have the one of the CNN analysts, Christian Ampador, I'm not sure pronounce her name right, who was coming out talking about Germany and the fact that there's so much Islamophobic activity, phobic activity going on in Germany. Now here you have radical jihadists had just massacred innocent people. And she's talking about worrying about Germany, some Germans not liking the Muslims, not liking the Muslim immigration into their country, not trusting them. That sounds like intimidation to me. That sounds like she is on the wrong side of this issue. That she's not sitting there criticizing what happened today. She's basically defending what happened today as a response to being an Islamophobe. 
And then you have what is the most ridiculous quote of the day, and that is the mom's demand that demand gun control or whatever the name of their organization is. They've been on the news a lot lately. Uh, they want demanding that the American people be disarmed. They came out with a tweet that blamed the attack in Paris on the NRA, the National Rifle Association. Ladies and gentlemen, the National Rifle Association has no chapter in France. They do not operate in France. And France has one of the strictest gun control laws in the world. French citizens basically cannot be armed. Think about this. Suppose there had been some people in that office building, in the, the members of the editorial staff or cartoonists, who had been armed. They might have been able to stop this attack, but they were not armed, yet you have the idiotic left in this country blaming the Paris attack on the National Rifle Association. Let's take our first break. The United States Justice Foundation, since 1979, has been dedicated to instructing, informing, and educating the public on legal issues confronting America. That means you and me. When necessary, this nonprofit organization has had to litigate to present the constitutional view. Since 1980, USJF has submitted testimony to the U.S. Senate on all but one U.S. Supreme Court nominee. Learn more about USJF by visiting their website at www.usjf.net. Support this nonprofit as it defends our rights, our liberty, and our Constitution. Don't be hoodwinked by the left who wants you to believe the fairy tale that we can power America on butterflies, rainbows, and pixie dust. I'm Marita Noon. Get the truth about energy on my show, America's Voice for Energy, only on America's Web Radio. Watchdog is a term given an organization like the United States Justice Foundation, which since 1979 has been watching out and, when necessary, taking the appropriate action from testifying to litigating to protect our constitutional rights. USJF, a nonprofit organization, is nationally recognized not only as a watchdog, but many in the government, as well as those involved in legal cases, have also called the USJF a bulldog for the tenacious approach in their presentation and proof of what is right. Find out more at www.usjf.net. Support USJF as they support you. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. And we're back on America's Web Radio and Our Constitution with Michael Connolly. Before we get started, Michael, I just wanted to remind everybody that tomorrow morning at uh, 11 o'clock we have America's Voice for Adv- uh, Voice for Energy with um, Marita Noon. And she has a couple of guests on. The first guest totally debunks this bull about global warming. He's a hydrologist. He's a doctor and scientists and has been studying this for years and his basis is very simple if there was really global warming the pH factor which everybody knows is acid or alkaline uh, the pH factor would if there was warming it would turn the oceans around the world more acidic well they have not changed in the story except you need to listen to him he has got the the cards, the deck is stacked against any baloney about 
global warming. The second part of the show is directed at the EPA and this garbage that they're selling us now is gasoline, ethanol, and uh, why it is so bad and how the EPA should literally probably be taken to court and, you know, it's criminal what they're doing. Anyway, I, I don't want to get off uh, too far on that. You're doing a great job, and uh, I'm listening to every word that you have to say, and I might even throw in a couple of things in a minute. Well, glad to have you do that, David. It's always nice to have you with me on the show, and I agree totally about the global warming. As far as I'm concerned, that has been debunked uh, by scientists all over the world, and yet we have the President of the United States, who supposedly was looking forward to working with Republicans and compromising on things, who the first thing he announces as the Republicans take control of Congress is that he will veto the Keystone Pipeline bill if it's passed by Congress. Now, there are Democrats going to be voting for this uh, because create American jobs. It would reduce our independence on foreign oil. Uh, there's no environmental, negative environmental impact on it, according to studies done by the State Department and even by the EPA. If the President of the United States says, I'm going to veto this bill, even though two-thirds of the American people want the Keystone Pipeline. But the radical environmentalists, the people who still claim that there is global warming, want it stopped. So the President, the lackey that he is for the far left, is going to veto it. It'll be interesting to see if they can get enough Democrats to override his veto. That would be devastating for the president, and people need to be aware that if this happens, they need to contact your members of Congress, including Democrats, particularly those in the Senate who will be vulnerable coming in 2016 to re-election to override the president's veto on this, because this is just one of the things that he's going to be doing. He's already got the EPA coming in and uh, attacking, for example, the state of Texas. We're under constant assault by the EPA. He wants to shut down the coal industry around the country. He's doing that by agency actions and executive orders. He wants to stop us from having uh, energy independence in Texas. He wants to drive around the rest of the country. He wants to drive up the cost of energy, uh, home utilities, by 300%. Most of the energy plants in Texas are coal-fired. And under the new EPA regulations, and there's like 2,400 pages of new regulations, they they have to comply with these regulations by putting in technology that does not even exist. The technology they're calling for has never been developed. There's no way they can comply. And the areas of technology where they can try to comply... They are being, they're so expensive that a lot of the plants are just going to have to shut down or they're going to have to raise the cost of energy so high that your average American is not going to be able to afford to heat or air condition their homes. So this is what the President of the United States is doing. But let's go back to the, uh, the situation of the terrorist attack and how the left is starting to try to blame this on the NRA, blame it on the gun culture. Uh, this is part of an overall strategy, which I just posted an article on my blog a couple of days ago called They Are Coming for Our Guns. And my blog is at 
Michael Connolly, C-O-N-N-E-L-L-Y.jigsy.com. And I'm getting a lot of reaction and feedback to this article. It's a really lengthy article. But what I do is I, I point out to the American people what is about to happen and what is already happening. We have a president of the United States who wants to disarm us. This guy is following the pattern that I've repeatedly talked about this on the show. And I'm talking about it in speeches I'm making all over the country. And by the way, if you, you want to schedule a speech with me, uh, you can contact uh, uh, the Speakers Bureau at the American, America's Web Radio, and America's Web Radio will help set it up so that I can come make a speech to your group. I'm willing to go anywhere in the country. I'm doing a lot of speeches in Texas, but I've also been to Florida. I've been to St. Louis. I've been to Nevada. Uh, so I'm talking about what's about to happen with gun control. And, of course, I'm talking about the veterans, and that's all part of it. But here's what's happening right now. On December 24th, Christmas Eve, the United Nations decided to implement the U.N. Small Arms Treaty. Now, that treaty has been signed by the Secretary of State on the orders of President Obama. John Kerry signed it. And under the Constitution, it is supposed to be submitted to the United States Senate for ratification. Ratification requires a two-thirds majority of the U.S. Senate. We had, while the Democrats were still in control of the Senate, we had some 54 senators sign a letter saying that they would never vote for ratification. Obviously, that says the two-thirds majority is not there and will not be there in the foreseeable future. So here's what's happened. The President of the United States is claiming, through the Department of Justice and through the White House staff, that they don't need to submit this to the United States Senate, that any treaty signed by the President or his appointee automatically goes into effect and it must be enforced. And the only way the Senate can stop it is for the president to submit it to the Senate and the Senate to vote it down. That turns the Constitution on its head. That's upside-down thinking. That's absolutely illegal. The President of the United States, and the Supreme Court has said this, the President of the United States cannot enforce a treaty even if it's ratified by the Senate, if that treaty supersedes the constitutional rights of Americans. They, they decided this in 1957. Yet we have the president basically saying that he is going to start enforcing this treaty. And by the way, he and John Kerry both lied about this treaty because they said it would not require gun registration in this country. I've read the treaty. I read the first draft, I read the final draft, and I said from the beginning this was going to call for gun registration in this country. Obama is going to enforce this treaty, first prohibiting the importation of firearms or replacement parts from other countries into the U.S., prohibiting ammunition from being brought from other countries. So some of the less expensive ammunition, some of the weapons from other countries that people have here, if they have have something wrong with one of them, they can't get the replacement parts, they can't get the weapons, they're going to have to rely strictly on what's made in this country. And we'll go in in a minute to what Obama's trying to do to the gun owners in this country. 
but also this there's a requirement in this treaty that Obama must provide to the United Nations a list of all American gun owners, all importers of firearms, and all exporters of firearms, and all manufacturers of firearms. Let's look at the registration requirement for gun owners. There is no such requirement in the United States. There are some individual states that do it, but as far as the federal government as a whole, there is no such requirement. Now, I know for a fact that under the Obama administration, when you fill out a form to get a firearm, to purchase a firearm, and you have a background check run on you through the NICS list, the National Innocent Criminal Background Checklist, it is clear to me that they are not complying with the law that requires that they destroy that, that form after you're approved or disapproved. They destroy that form within a week after they get it. They're not doing that. They're maintaining what amounts to a registry. But there is a specific congressional act, a law passed by Congress, that says that no money can be spent by the President of the United States or any federal agency for a national gun registration. This law has been in effect for a number of years. Obama is going to, by executive order or some other executive memorandum or agency action or whatever he wants to call his unconstitutional acts this week, he is going to bypass Congress and repeal that law and he is going to set up a national gun registration. They are already doing it. They're using the forms you fill out to buy legally buy a firearm in this country. And, of course, that's why they're pushing to make it a requirement that even if you buy a firearm from a relative or if a father gives a firearm to a son, that you still have to go through the background check because, it, that you know, the purpose of that is not to prevent crime. Uh, the purpose of that is to get your information. Now they've taken it one step further. They are, and I just found out about this this morning, veterans, and we've talked about what's happening to the veterans on the show as far as the, uh, the confiscation of firearms and the disarming of America's veterans. Veterans are now getting letters from the VA saying that we want to help you secure your firearms. So... Fill out this form telling us what firearms you have, where you keep them, and what type they are, and we will then send you free locks, trigger locks for your firearms. This is a trick to try to get veterans to register their guns under government. If the VA wants to help veterans by getting them with locks for their guns, trigger guards and some veterans use that because they have small children in the house and so this would be helpful to some veterans but if the VA really wanted to do that they would have them available through VA hospitals through VA veteran centers around the country they could provide them to the American Legion to hand out for free they could provide them to the, for the veterans of foreign wars to hand out for free there are many ways that they could do this without asking the veterans for their personal information without asking the veterans to firearms. So this part of the continued effort against veterans 
any escalating effort to disarm Americans' veterans. And let's take our second break now. Who is or what is USJF? It is a nonprofit legal organization founded to protect our rights through the U.S. Constitution. Active in educating the public, USJF has also contributed directly and indirectly to legal defense efforts in many celebrated cases involving fundamental conservative principles. Cases of note include the Mount Soledad Cross case, the Arizona Immigration Law case, the Obama eligibility cases, the NDAA illegal detention issue, and many more. Help this nonprofit as they help you. Visit www.usjf.net today. Don't be hoodwinked by the left who wants you to believe the fairy tale that we can power America on butterflies, rainbows, and pixie dust. I'm Marita Noon. Get the truth about energy on my show, America's Voice for Energy, only on America's Web Radio. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Watchdog is a term given an organization like the United States Justice Foundation, which since 1979 has been watching out and, when necessary, taking the appropriate action from testifying to litigating to protect our constitutional rights. USJF, a nonprofit organization, is nationally recognized not only as a watchdog, but many in the government, as well as those involved in legal cases, have also called the USJF a bulldog for the tenacious approach in their presentation and proof of what is right. Find out more at www.usjf.net. Support USJF as they support you. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. But what else is the Obama administration going to do to disarm Americans? Well, I mean, like I said, it follows the pattern of Adolf Hitler and other dictators. Uh, when Hitler took over as Chancellor of Germany, he uh, wanted to consolidate his power and declare himself a good dictator. So the first thing he did was to continue with the nationalization of the healthcare industry, which had already started in Germany, and he made sure that the uh, Nazi government, uh, his government, had control over the healthcare system, feeling that if you can control access to healthcare, you control the population. Then the second thing he did was to start to disarm the American or the German population, beginning with the veterans. Why? Because the German veterans of World War One, military veterans, had taken an oath very similar to the one that David and I took as members of the U.S. military and all members of the U.S. military took to protect and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic. The Germans had taken the same type of oath to protect and defend their Constitution and their country and their people. The danger there is obvious to a dictator. If you have a bunch of armed, trained veterans out there, and we have 23 million of us right now in this country, then you have to make sure that they are not armed because they can use their training to stop you from setting up a dictatorship. Obama is going after the veterans. I've been talking about it on this show for months now, actually for a couple of years, and we have been working with veterans around the country. We're continuing to work with veterans around the country and trying to stop what's happening to them. And basically, in a nutshell, veterans are getting letters from the VA telling them that because of their physical and mental disabilities, they are being classified as incompetent to handle their own financial affairs, meaning their VA payments. And 
the letter goes on to say that once you've been declared incompetent, you can no longer own, possess, transport, or purchase firearms or ammunition. If you do, you're guilty of a felony. When I uncovered this and started writing about it a couple of years ago, there were 159,000 veterans on the NICS list. This is a list of people maintained by the FBI that cannot legally purchase firearms in this country. We estimate that 99.9% of the veterans on that list do not belong there. They are not convicted felons, which is a criteria for being on the list. They are not known drug users, with illegal drug users, which is a criteria for being on the list. And they have not been adjudicated to be mentally ill to the point of being a danger to themselves or others. That's a requirement for being on the list. But that's what's being used by the Obama administration and the VA and the FBI as the criteria that they're putting veterans on the list. If veterans have minor PTSD, if they've ever been to see a psychiatrist, if they have been uh, talked to a doctor about feeling depressed over the loss of a buddy in combat, if they handle, let their spouses handle payment of the family bills, or get this, if they have an automated checking system at the bank, that automatically takes out the money to pay their bills every month, then they are being declared incompetent. I've seen the letters, ladies and gentlemen. These exist. Automatically being declared incompetent to handle their own financial affairs and therefore being denied their constitutional rights. Not just their Second Amendment rights, but their Fifth Amendment rights to due process. But the letter today, or from an independent contractor hired by the Department of Defense, basically says you have a certain amount of period the time which to prove that you are competent. The burden of proof under the due process clause of the Fifth Amendment means that the government must prove that you are incompetent. The government has the burden of proof, not you. But they've turned that on its head, just like Obama's turning everything in the Constitution on its head, and they're saying that veterans have to prove that they are competent. And sometimes they're only given five days in which to offer their proof. There's no adjudication of mental illness required. Adjudication is a legal requirement that there be a hearing in front of a judge or at least an administrative judge in which the federal government would have to present evidence, could present evidence. None of that is happening simply because of the fact that Eric Holder decided after he took office as attorney general that adjudication meant that anybody in the federal government, any employee, even independent contractors, can look at a file. They don't talk to the veteran. The veteran doesn't have to be examined by a psychiatrist or psychologist. The bureaucrat can look at the file and say, okay, uh, this guy told a, a doctor 10 years ago uh, or four, 30 years ago or 40 years ago when he got back from Vietnam, said he was a little depressed. No indication of treatment. Nothing that it indicated this was a mental illness. Or this guy was diagnosed with minor PTSD, which has been resolved. Doesn't matter. The bureaucrat can say, okay, you're incompetent. We're going to disarm you. Some states are taking it even further. There's a case right now going on with a veteran in New York, because we know that Como up there had this draconian uh, Firearms Control Act passed, basically sort of like Obamacare in the middle of the night uh, by the state legislature. And it, it says that you can be declared incompetent and you can have your firearms confiscated for any reason whatsoever. If you've ever had 
taking certain types of medication for depression or for ADD or ADHD when you were a child, uh, that automatically excludes you from being able to own firearms. But they decided to take it even further. This veteran, a U.S. Navy veteran who has never been under psychiatric care, never been examined by a psychologist, who has never had any problems whatsoever as far as PTSD or depression, but they confiscated his firearms. They raided his house. He had a legal right to have these firearms. They were registered as required by New York law. He had a concealed weapons permit as required by New York law, but they took his firearms. Why? Because he had recently sought treatment for insomnia. Ladies and gentlemen, think about it. Insomnia has now become a mental illness, according to New York. And this is the same type of regulations that are being proposed by the Obama administration. Well, they're being proposed no longer. They're going into effect, as far as I can tell, with a little, very little fanfare of knowledge of the American people. But these are the same type of regulations that are going into effect with the federal government and by our, against our veterans. Obama you know, has has a love for using executive orders to bypass the Constitution. Article 1, Section 8 of the Constitution, for example, gives the Congress sole control over immigration and naturalization of this country. Obama clearly bypassed that. Article 2, Section 3 of the Constitution says that the President of the United States must take care to enforce the laws passed by Congress. It doesn't say you can decide which laws to enforce. It doesn't say he can decide uh, to make new laws on his own or decide to change laws on his own. Yet Obama does all of that. He has repeatedly amended Obamacare, the Affordable Care Act. And one of the things he did in his a couple of years ago after the Sandy Hook incident, he issued 26 executive actions on gun control, none of which were constitutional. But one of them was to amend the Affordable Care Act, amend Obamacare, to strike down a portion of the law, the one good thing that was sneaked in by conservatives when the law was being passed, and that was a prohibition against doctors asking their patients if they own firearms. Obama decided to repeal that aspect of the law, and now they're encouraging doctors, or in some cases requiring doctors, to ask people about firearms. Pediatricians are being encouraged to ask the young children if their parents own firearms. We have a new Surgeon General of the United States who basically has said that firearm ownership is a health issue, that guns are a health issue and need to be regulated by the Center for Disease Control. Uh, we believe he's going to go so far as to declare the ownership of a firearm as a possible mental illness. By the same token, we have something that I just learned about, really by accident, just a couple of weeks ago. And I think I mentioned it on the show before. It needs to be reiterated because it shows that not only are they coming after the veterans' firearms, they're coming after everybody's firearms, including senior citizens. My fiance went to the doctor. She recently went on Medicare, and she went to the doctor for a wellness visit, get her yearly checkup, which she has done for years. 
Only this time, it was a new doctor, and the doctor told her that he was required by law, and he apologized for this, but he was required by federal law to ask her a series of questions. And supposedly these questions helped determine if she might have the initial signs of dementia or Alzheimer's or some other illness. And there were questions that, you know, tested her cognitive abilities, asked her some math questions, checked her ability to reason and and your memory and this sort of thing. And then there was the question of the hour. Do you own any firearms? This is required by law, according to this doctor. He is required to ask this question of every one of his patients on Medicare. Do you own a firearm? That is illegal and unconstitutional. But that's exactly what they're going forward with, that type of question. And I have recently gotten a fourth confirmation, and I'd heard about this from a couple of veterans, and I found it hard to believe, but I saw no reason to not believe them. And then I got a confirmation that it happened to the third veteran right here in Texas. And now I've gotten confirmation it happened to another veteran up in Ohio. Veterans are going into the VA. And they are being asked, we know for a fact, because this is happening all over the country, and I've heard repeated stories out of Dallas, the Dallas VA about this, but veterans are being asked when they go into the VA, whether it's for health reasons or for talking about benefits or whatever, they're being asked if they own firearms. And they're also being asked how they feel about the federal government and how they feel about the Obama administration. Now I have the fourth confirmation that some veterans are also being told they have to be strip-searched. They have to take their clothes off so their bodies can examine to see if they have radical tattoos. What's a radical tattoo? Well, nobody tells them. But I can almost guarantee you that if they have a tattoo that says, Don't tread on me, or they have a tattoo of the Confederate flag, or they have a tattoo that says, God bless America, possibly, that would be considered a radical tattoo. But here's the problem. It violates their Fourth Amendment right to have a search like that conducted. So how is the VA getting them to agree to it? Basically telling them, if you don't agree to it, we're going to stop your benefits. We're going to stop paying your benefits. Veterans are being told they have to give up their constitutional rights in order to feed their families. We have determined positively the same thing is happening to veterans who decide to appeal their determination that they're incompetent or to fight the determination that they're incompetent to handle their own financial affairs. Veterans around the country are being told that if you appeal, we will suspend the payment of your benefits during the course of the appeal. We have a family in Alabama that's had this happen to them. They haven't had benefits paid to them in months because they're told that the appeal may take up to two years. Let's take our final break now. The United States Justice Foundation, since 1979, has been dedicated to instructing, informing, and educating the public on legal issues confronting America. That means you and me. When necessary, this nonprofit organization has had to litigate to present the constitutional view. Since 1980, USJF has submitted testimony to the U.S. Senate on all but one U.S. Supreme Court nominee. Learn more about USJF by visiting their website at 
www.usjf.net. Support this nonprofit as it defends our rights, our liberty, and our Constitution. Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. Don't be hoodwinked by the left who wants you to believe the fairy tale that we can power America on butterflies, rainbows, and pixie dust. I'm Marita Noon. Get the truth about energy on my show, America's Voice for Energy, only on America's Web Radio. Watchdog is a term given an organization like the United States Justice Foundation, which since 1979 has been watching out and, when necessary, taking the appropriate action from testifying to litigating to protect our constitutional rights. USJF, a nonprofit organization, is nationally recognized not only as a watchdog, but many in the government, as well as those involved in legal cases, have also called the USJF a bulldog for the tenacious approach in their presentation and proof of what is right. Find out more at www.usjf.net. Support USJF as they support you. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. So, ladies and gentlemen, it is 2015. And by the way, Happy New Year to everybody. I haven't had a chance to say that yet. But 2015 is going to be the year of the gun. And it's going to be the year of our guns. The progressives, Obama, the attorney general, whoever that new attorney general may be, under Obama, and some state legislatures and governors are going to be coming after us full bore. They want to destroy the Second Amendment. They want to take away our right to own firearms. Here's some more of the things that Obama's going to be doing, or is doing right now. He has issued an executive order that is being enforced now by HHS that virtually sets aside the HIPAA law. Now, the HIPAA law protects the privacy of medical records. And under these new regulations, your records, which before could not be turned over to anybody without your permission, can now be automatically turned over to the FBI if they indicate, your medical records indicate that you have ever been depressed, ever had PTSD, or if you take certain medications, such as for ADD or ADHD. It applies to everybody, not just troops. This is something that they are doing right now. Put that in conjunction with doctors asking if you own a firearm. That will probably be another reason for them turning over your medical records to the federal government. The whole idea is to start disarming everybody. Then you have the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms changing the definition of mental illness to provide that anyone can be declared mentally ill to the point of being a danger to themselves or others for any reason without an adjudication of any kind and therefore could be prohibited from owning firearms. Like I pointed out, it's already happening in the states like New York and in California. The horror stories are emerging about people, not just veterans, having their doors kicked in, having their firearms confiscated, 
are being contacted by local law enforcement authorities saying, you have to turn in your firearms because 40 years ago, when you got back from Vietnam, you were depressed. Or 40 years ago, you lost a loved one in an automobile accident and had PTSD for a few months. Turn in all your firearms now. You have just been declared mentally ill to the point of being a danger to yourself or others. It's going to get worse. It's going to get a lot worse. Also have the Department of Justice. Oh, by the way, we have the EPA is now claiming that it can regulate ammunition because it's an environmental issue if the ammunition has lead in it. We have a court that says, no, you can't do that. Uh, we also have a federal court, by the way, that, that said that uh, veterans cannot have their firearms confiscated for a declaration of mental illness unless there's an adjudication. All of these are court cases that basically Obama's going to ignore the outcome of. But we're going to continue our fight with the U.S. Justice Foundation in the U.S. Justice Foundation to fight in court. But Obama's got the EPA involved here. He's got the Surgeon General. The new Surgeon General is going to be involved. He's got virtually every federal agency involved at some point in trying to regulate firearms. Department of Justice, and there was a congressional hearing on this, and the DOJ said, oh, we're going to stop doing this. Well, it hadn't stopped doing it. Department of Justice is putting pressure on banks and other financial institutions to not loan money to licensed gun dealers, in other words, legal gun dealers, to not loan money to manufacturers of firearms or to manufacturers of ammunition, and in fact is trying to get these financial institutions to refuse to even allow these organizations or these companies to have bank accounts with their institution. All for the purpose of trying to put legal gun owners and legal manufacturers and sellers the firearms put them out of business. Now, this is all politically correct according to the left. This is what they do. This is how they try to destroy constitutional rights. So, what are we going to do about it? Well, at the United States Justice we just don't talk and complain. We put things into action. So specifically, one of the first things I'm going to be doing in the next couple of days is to, now that the new Congress has come in, I'm going to be contacting members of the U.S. Senate and urging them to refile the Veterans Second Amendment Protection Act. I talked about this on the show several years ago. Uh, this was filed shortly after I broke the story about what was happening to our veterans. Senator Richard Burr of North Carolina filed it in the Senate. It, the Some senators already knew what was going on, apparently, because they had tried to amend the 2014 uh, National Defense Authorization Act to protect veterans and stop what the VA was doing, because that's what this bill was designed to do, is stop the VA from disarming American veterans and violating their constitutional rights. The bill, of course, was opposed by Obama and was defeated in the United States Senate by the Democrats. Now that the Republicans have control of the Senate and control of the House, we need to reintroduce that legislation. And I will let you know through my blog at Michael Connolly. .jigsy.com if the bill is going to be refiled and says so when and if we can't get somebody to file it again 
I'm going to let you know that so you can start putting pressures on your pressure on your U.S. senator to help us with this. Obama will probably veto it, but I think under the situation, if there's enough outcry among American veterans, the American public, that this is a situation where his veto can be overridden. Either way, we have to do this. We're doing what we can with lawsuits, but we haven't been able to raise the money for the major lawsuit we want. Uh, we're smaller suits. We're doing work on behalf of individual veterans. But right now, because there is no law protecting the veterans, a lawsuit is the only way to go. And that's very expensive and very time-consuming. We would love to be able to help veterans by using an existing law to protect them. And that's what this is all about. We're also going to be continuing with our efforts to help individual veterans and have had some successes in that area, instructing veterans on how to appeal and how to protect their constitutional rights by refusing to uh, waive their Second Amendment rights. This has been successful. And uh, if you're a veteran out there and you need our help, you go to usjf.net and contact me through there, usjf.net, and you can also... If you want to help finance this, this effort on behalf of veterans, because if you're a veteran, we're not going to charge you a penny or charge your family a penny. We are going to represent you entirely for free and raise the money independently from other sources. So if you're a veteran, contact us at usjf.net, or you can contact me directly at michael at usjfmail.net. If you want to contribute money to us, go to usjf.net. We've just recently, we're in the process of updating our website and adding a lot of stuff to it, so you'll be able to check it out and see what we're doing. And uh, you can kind of find out there how to donate to us, either online or through the mail. If you want me to make a speech to a veterans group or to a Rotary Club or a Lions Club or a Tea Party group or any political organization, or non-political organization about the issue of gun control, Second Amendment rights, about veterans' rights, just let me know. Contact me through that email address or through usjf.net. We're going to continue with doing that. We're going to file suits against the VA, the FBI, the Department of Homeland Security, the Department of Defense, because we want to find out why they have refused to answer our Freedom of Information Act request uh, to gain documents about the attacks on veterans by these agencies. They've not responded to us. We're going to go after them. We need help to finance that also. We are going to offer support to any individual members of Congress who want to file suit against Obama to stop his use of executive orders to implement gun control and other un unconstitutional actions. We're going to continue our involvement in lawsuits against states that are implementing and enforcing unconstitutional gun laws. We go into these states and uh, we file a meet briefs, friend of the court briefs, on behalf of plaintiffs and lawsuits to protect not just Second Amendment rights, but all individual rights. And we're going to continue our support for the Constitutional Sheriff and Peace Officers, Sheriffs and Peace Officers Association in their efforts to recruit leaders around the country pledge that not allow unconstitutional laws involving gun control or anything else to be enforced in their jurisdictions. 
This is Richard Max Group. This is an important group I've been working with. We're one of their legal advisors. I'm one of their legal advisors. USJF works with them. Again, this is a very important action. We're going to be out there fighting. We need your support to do it. USJF.net, michaelconnelly.gz.com. Contact me. We will help. It would please help us out. And thank you for having me on today. I look forward to talking to you again next week. God bless. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.